This is the Two-Tone Uncensored Podcast. Hosts Matt McCrone, Brian Moreland, and Glenn Lotzenheiser talk everything Tennessee Titans. This show is made for the fans of Bleed Two-Tone Blue. This is the Two-Tone Uncensored podcast that you're listening to. I am your host, Ryan Moreland. With me, as always, my co-host, Matt Necrone. How you doing, Matt? Trying to fake it till I make it. <laughs> and Glenn Lotzenheiser. What's up, Glenn? I'm sitting here with my smoking jacket on, ready to uh, lay the wisdom. <laughs> Sounds good, guys. All right, we're gonna, we have a big show for you today. We're going to do... The mailbag, of course, as we do every week. we got some news for you, and then we're also going to bring you this week's positional breakdown, which is the wide receivers. So we're going to get in-depth on the wide receiver talk. Let's jump right into it here with the mailbag, guys. The first one sent in here by Philip Perkins. The question is, do you think that the ongoing battle between the league and Amy Adams Strunk over Titans ownership will be resolved or end up as a showdown in court? Well, for the fans' sake, I really hope that this gets resolved outside of the court. Amy Adams Strunk believes it will be resolved out of court. She's already purchased a home uh, right outside of Nashville, which was one of the issues. Basically, the biggest problem that the NFL has with Titans ownership is the fact that there's multiple shareholders, and uh, Amy's one of the majority majority shareholders at 33%, along with her sister Susie Smith owns another 33%. But the grandson of Bud Adams, Kenneth Adams IV, he was believed to be the man to take the leadership role moving forward, which hasn't really come to fruition quite yet. He, along with his brother and his mother, own 11% of the team. If there is an ongoing court case, some circles in the league believe that Kenneth may be inclined to push for a sale of the franchise if he doesn't ultimately have a path to ownership and control. The only thing I know about this is that we'll never have to see Tommy Smith again, and that makes me happy. I don't know. I think they'll be able to get out. I think they'll be able to settle outside of court. She's making all the small steps moving forward, and as long as they don't get in their own way, I think that the, the team will stay in Nashville, and the Adams family will keep the threshold of the Titans. I, I agree that it won't go to court. I think the biggest deal here is winning will solve a lot of the issues. If the franchise itself becomes more valuable, they start winning games. I think you'll see the league kind of back off a little bit because there's Amy's getting set up to be that one voice. Like Matt said, she's moved to town. I really think that uh, it gets resolved just by the team starting to win and showing progress as an actual NFL team where they don't look so disorganized, like they have no idea what they're doing. I think that was the biggest issue the league really had with them was that they didn't look like they were interested in winning. They were just kind of hanging out. I'm going to agree with a lot of what you guys said here. You look at it from the NFL's perspective, it just looks like, you know, too many Chiefs, not enough Indians kind of thing where, you know, Matt just broke down a lot of what the ownership looks like as of right now. And I think you do need to find, like, one face. I mean, if you look at all the – the teams, there's one face outside of, you know, you could say the, the Packers, but still, you know, there's one guy in, in charge. So I think it's going to come down to putting one person in charge, and I think Amy Adams can do that. I really hope 
that we don't see a sale of the team just because you never know if that could end up in a, a moving of the team, which obviously none of us want to see. Which leads us into our next question here, guys. That was actually sent in by Matt. He wanted to answer this because we were all talking about this. We're talking about this because of St. Louis moved on to L.A. And a lot of the St. Louis fans are now becoming Tennessee Titans fans. There's a great article about it on the Tennessee, and you can check it out online. But the question is, guys, if the Titans ever left Nashville, would you follow them or would you choose the next closest team to your location? Yeah, I had to sneak on there and, and get that question in. You just basically touched on a little bit with the St. Louis fans coming over. I would probably follow the Titans anywhere in the U.S. I would not, if they were ever to go to England or anywhere in Europe for that matter, I'd probably reconsider. But I I spent the majority of my life in Pennsylvania. I've lived in South Carolina for the last seven years. I've never been in Nashville, but I've followed the Titans ever since they've became in their existence. But the point is, they can move anywhere in the country, and I've never been close to them to uh, have that type of relationship where I can go down the street and check them out live. I support them from a long distance. I would probably continue to do the same thing. We have been through a lot these last few years just to throw it away, even if, if they were to relocate. For me, I was born in Houston, just Harris County Hospital right down the road from the Astrodome. This has been my team my whole life. I wouldn't really know what else to do. Uh, when they left for Tennessee, I followed them out there because I kind of felt like the city of Houston let them down. The Astrodome was falling apart. It kind of felt unsafe sometimes when you were in there and stuff's falling out of the ceiling. So I, I would have to follow them unless they went somewhere like L.A. maybe. I probably couldn't do that. Unlike Matt, I could follow them to England. My wife's from England, so that would actually be a pretty cool uh, way to get her to go overseas and go watch a game with me. Uh, if... I was going to leave them for anybody. It would have to be somebody in, a, in the NFC, in a team that we never had any history with, that we never really played. And I don't know that I could bring myself to do it. And I'd have to replace an awful lot of memorabilia and autographed jerseys and all that, and I'd really rather not. So um, I think I'd have to stay with the team almost no matter what they did, unless in some way they just really screwed the fan base, like moved overnight. You know, If they just up and left, that would be one thing. But they're not my hometown team in that I don't live near Nashville anyway. So if I can follow from Houston to Nashville, I can probably follow from Nashville to wherever else they would go. I just kind of hope they don't because I really like the city of Nashville. I think it's a, a good city with strong support for that team. So I don't see why they would leave unless at some point in time they just really want to upgrade that stadium and they can't get the money again. Yeah, I live in Ohio now. I grew up in Maryland. So I've never been super close I've never been close to Tennessee or Houston. Being a fan from a, a distance, I like that they're in Nashville. Obviously, I want them to stay in Nashville. But I think, you know, even in England move or if we were to move anywhere around the country, I think I'd still be a fan. There's probably a situation in which I would no longer be a fan. I just can't think of what it would be. I, I mean, I have no idea. Maybe if the, the Adams family all went, you know, crazy and started killing people or something like that. Like, I, that might make me root for another team. But it would have to be something really drastic. I'm going to be a Titans fan forever, no matter where they go or, or what they what they end up doing. There probably is a scenario in which I would, but it's something so ridiculous that it's not even close to realistic. So, yeah, anywhere they would move, I'd probably move with them. Next question here was sent in by Morocco Taylor. With DeMarco Murray being the presumed workhorse this season, and given his previous injuries and workloads, 
Would you choose to rest him during the preseason or get him in there early to gel with the offense? Yeah, in my opinion, man, there's there's really no wrong answer here. I think it all depends on how Coach Malarkey feels, how the team's progressing. From the outside looking in, I personally would probably sit him the first preseason game, let him play a couple series in the second. And come the third preseason game, I'd probably leave him in there for the whole first quarter just to get him some get him his reps. But no notable starter usually plays in the final preseason game. Murray's already a proven back in this league with his injury history. I would much rather him gel with his O-line for the majority in a practice scenario where the defense isn't really trying to take him out. Using him lightly in the preseason will shake off some of the rust, and he should be ready to go by week one. I really want to see Derrick Henry mostly in this preseason to get him up to speed, but I think it'll be interesting to see how Coach Markey handles it. Yeah, I think most people would agree with Matt. They, we don't want to see this guy get hurt in the preseason. That would just be terrible. Well, I think it really depends on how well he learns the offense, how quickly he shows that he's got it. As soon as he shows a mastery of it, I can't think that they'd want to run him too much in there. The young guys need the reps. We already know what he can do. So really it's just get in there, get comfortable with the uh, the live experience with the offensive line. The offensive line is young, so he does need to learn – to trust them and where they're going to be able to make holes for him and learn to, you know, get in that flow with Mariota and everybody else. But I don't see them giving him just a whole lot of reps throughout the preseason. This is a really good question, you know, because you wanted to get him ready for the season. You want to have him 100% prepared, but you obviously do not want him to get injured before the season starts. I would say pretty close to what you guys are saying here. I think you would see him play a little bit in preseason games one through three not at all in four but one two drives you know as long as you're going to keep most of the starters in there anyway you know guys like Delaney Walker that have been on this team for a while and really know the offense you know you want him to be 100% up to speed you don't want to get him injured I want to see a lot of Derrick Henry not a lot of DeMarco Murray in the preseason so you know get him maybe one two drives maybe first quarter and one of them Definitely don't want to overwork him. On to the next one here, submitted by Jay Russell. If you had to choose one player to be on our roster moving forward out of this list, who would it be and why? And the list is Harry Douglas, Justin Hunter, or a free agent Anquan Bolden. Well, first off, Anquan Bolden just visited Detroit the other day, so I don't see us bringing him in. And although I've never really been a fan of his, I'm going to have to say Justin Hunter is probably my answer. There's no debate whatsoever that Bolden is by far the better receiver, even with his career coming to an end. As far as the team moving forward, it just makes more sense from a strategic standpoint to attempt to go one more try with Justin Hunter. His ceiling is huge. Although he's been rattled early in his career, Sean Jefferson's broke him down the last couple seasons, and it hasn't exactly panned out. His frame is a little too thin for me. I think he needs to bulk up a little bit. That being said, I don't want him to lose any of his speed. I think that moving forward, Hunter's role on this team is the streak down the sideline, go up and get a ball, even though that's not particularly what we're aiming for as far as our strength. Most of our receivers have taken the, the short route approach to try to get accustomed with Marcus Mariota. Hunter's that one X factor that has not succeeded so far, but I think if we can get his confidence up, try to build him up instead of breaking him down like Sean Jefferson did. 
I think he's got elite potential, and uh, his characteristics set him apart from the other receivers on the roster. Kendall Wright recently put on some weight, and that tells me that the coaches asked him to beef up a little bit so he he could be better prepared for shorter routes over the middle and, and become a better blocker for the kind of offense that we're running. Other than DGB, Hunter is probably the only guy that can go down the street down the field, go up and grab a ball. Moving forward, I would probably take Justin Hunter over Harry Douglas. May I, you know, on all your points on Justin Hunter, if I was going to bring in one guy, it would be Anquan Bolden. I know he's not available. It's not even the point. He could come in here and show everybody on this receiving core how it's really done. He is, the whole career, just, he'll do anything to catch that ball. He's just absolutely reliable. He runs perfect routes. He catches the ball. He will fight you for the ball. He's a good run blocker. Uh, everything that we want out of our guys, he embodies. Now, I wish it was eight years ago. He, he is at the end of his career. He wouldn't do us a lot of good as a player necessarily for more than just a season. But we have a lot of potential guys on this roster already. I don't think Harry Douglas is one of them. I think he's kind of maxed out his potential. He had a great season once, and that's about all I think we're ever going to see from him. Justin Hunter, explosive big guy. Jumps through the ceiling, hurts his ankle while he does it. Not very mature. Not a good run blocker. Anquan Bolden gives you everything you want in a receiver and would just really set the tone for this group and show them how to be a real pro going forward. So that's the guy I would take. This is a really good question, too. For me, I'm looking at it. At Anquan Bolden at 35 years old right now, at the very end of his career. Yeah, I like him a lot. You know, what he's been able to do, he's a fantastic receiver. I mean, everything that Glenn said is 100% fact about Bolden. But we already have a wide receivers coach. That's all he would be at this point in his career, really. So I would shy away from that. And and Harry Douglas, 31 years old, he's not near the player that Bolden has been over his career. So I would still go with Justin Hunter here. I'm going to agree with Matt. Age is a huge factor. You're looking at two guys that are past 30 compared to a guy that's only 25 years old. Hunter's still very young. He's still maturing. I think that he has the frame he's got. He has the ability to be a really great wide receiver. He just has to get the maturity. He has to get the route running down. He has to be able to break through press better than he is at this point. But that stuff that you know is teachable. Right now, looking at Justin Hunter, I don't think his ceiling's near as high as, you know, let's say Anquan Bolton's career. But I think his ceiling is a very solid wide receiver. Definitely wide receiver number two. Look at it this way. you With Anquan Bolton, you're probably getting one year of very, very old man. With Harry Douglas, you're getting a handful of years with an average wide receiver. With Justin Hunter, you're getting 10, 12 years possibly from a guy that still has yet to hit his prime. So that's why I would say Justin Hunter over Bolden and Douglas at this point. I also want to add on, Ryan, to that. I I completely agree with you. But if if we can get him going for a reasonable season this year, if he can somewhat perform, if we get him to re-sign for cheap, basically, get him for a couple more seasons, if he can get his head head in the game and and produce, it's basically like a, a free pick. He's a a wasted second-round pick at this point, and if we can get him on track, there's no way that he doesn't go for, you know, more than an average wide receiver's price. And I I really think he's better. He can be better than an average wide receiver. Great point there, and yeah, I agree. 
very last question here in our two-tone mailbag. DJ1Mike, that's at DJ1Mike on Twitter, wrote us in a question. It is, which Titan would benefit the team the most by not getting released? Is it Bishop Sankey, Bleedy Ray Wilson, or Brian Schwenke? Although Sankey may be the most talented of these three, my answer is Bleedy Ray Wilson. Strictly speaking from a positional standpoint, we would benefit the most if we could turn him into a serviceable cornerback. The secondary on the Titans has arguably the most holes on the entire team. Bleedy Ray's got pretty decent size at 6'1", 198, and he ran a 4'5", 3". And even though I would say that Sankey probably is the most talented, I think Schwenke even holds more value to us than Sankey does, only because the backfield is so crowded. We need help. We need a lot of help at O-line and our secondary. I just think that if we can get – Bleedy Ray is almost almost like Justin Hunter in my mind. I think that once they get their heads right, they've, they've been surrounded by negativity pretty much since they got here. We haven't been able to pull wins together. With Wilson in particular, he's been paired up with Cody Sensball back there who loved to get burned. He's gone now. I think if we get a, a winning mentality and we can somehow get in these guys' heads – I mean, they have the talent. They got drafted in the second to third round. They can perform. They just need to get it, get out of their own heads and, and realize that they can do it. If we could turn him around, I think he could definitely be the most value to us. If I thought he would actually live up to his potential, I would agree with you, Matt. But as far as those three guys go, I've never been a fan of Sankey. I've never been a fan of Bloody Ray. He's got the physical attributes, but I've never seen him put it together in a game. Brian Swanky, I've said already that I would happily cut the guy. But at the same time, as far as depth goes, I'm least impressed with the depth that we have on our offensive line. I think I would have to keep him around of that group just because we need more guys. It doesn't look like we're going to be signing Vaccaro. That need must be really bad. So I think you've got to keep Brian around because we've got plenty of running backs, and Sankey's, I don't think he's ever going to produce in the league. And Bloody Ray, he's just going to be average, I think, even when he gets good. So you might as well just keep swanking around and have that extra depth for the uh, offensive line. I agree with what Matt said, that at talent-wise, I think Sankey's the most talented of the three. But as both of you touched on, you know we're stocked at running back. Cornerback and offensive line, obviously, key for us. And Schwinky would be my pick here if it wasn't for the injury. You know, he's, he's no good to us right now because he's injured for quite some time. So he'd go to Bleedy Ray right now, I think, would be the best to keep on the team, the most beneficial for the team, even though it's just, I mean, barely. Like, he's a, he's a guy that has a pulse. You know, I'm not, I'm not as high on him as I think Matt is. I, you know, I don't like him very much at all. But you have a guy that's injured, Sankey, who's going to be, what, f- at least fourth on the depth chart? So I would have to go Bleedy Ray here, but it's not anything impressive. I mean, he won by default, basically. Let me just say this. I'm far from far from high on Bleedy Ray Wilson. I just think that positional standpoint, that's what we need to upgrade on. I'm, I'm tired of getting burnt late in games, and I don't think any of those guys should be on our team moving forward, but I think if we could mold him into something from – one of Rustin Webster's pieces of shit that he brought onto our team, that's the guy I would choose, but far, far from high on him. My bad, Matt, my bad. (laughs) Touched a nerve there. 
Arsh. That's all we have for the two-tone mailbag, guys. <laughs> there are four different ways to get your questions heard on the two-tone mailbag. You can send them in on Twitter, at two-tone uncensored. Find us on Facebook at Two Tone Uncensored. You can join the Tennessee Titans Uncensored Facebook page. We put a post out every week you can comment on. Or you can email us at Two Tone Uncensored at gmail.com. I want to give a special thanks to the people who sent in this week Morocco Taylor, Philip Perkins, Jay Russell, and at DJ One Mike. Now we're going to head into the news here, and I'm going to let news anchor Glenn Lotzenheiser take over. So I'm the anchor man. All right. <laughs> Break out the scotch. Let's do this thing. First up this week, we've got Titans announcing out that they plan on playing the hot hand on who gets the carries in the games. Now, obviously, they're mostly meaning DeMarco Murray, Derek Henry. I don't think it's as much a matter of the other guys getting much of a chance to be the hot hand. So it's going to be between those guys. They said they were going to do this a lot last season, and no one ever really got hot. You saw it last year. The whole offense just struggled all the time. There was never a hot hand to go with. Do you like the hot hand approach, or would you rather have more of a, you're going to get this many reps, you're going to get this many series, a more regimented setup? You know, for me, I kind of like the regimented setup, Glenn. The hot hand, we tried to do it last year, but for the team's defense here, there was not really any talent in that backfield and a bad offensive line in front, so it's understandable. I know one never really got hot. But I like the more regimented. You you pick it out. You pre-plan it. I just I like it. It seems more smooth to me. You know where you're going, unless one guy's really struggling. I think you're going to see Demarco Murray take a lot of the carries. Obviously, Derrick Henry going to provide a decent amount for a you know backup. But I don't want to see it turn into this running back by committee where you know each and every other week there's a new guy in there and they're plugging and playing, like we saw last year. Just uh, you don't see a lot of teams have a, a good solid running game with that kind of approach <laughs> really i guess outside the patriots they seem to have a litany of guys through there every season that seem to get the job done somewhat but i don't want to see that i want to see murray take the load of the carries henry take solid amount of the carries after that and then maybe you know see mccluster coming out of the backfield and passing situations well i don't want to kind of know what we're looking at and and get this offensive line as young as it is really used to what they're going to be looking at and what they're going to be doing for that running game. Yeah, I agree with a lot with what Ryan just said. When you go back to last year, just throwing guys in who had the hot hand, we didn't have anybody with a hot hand, so we basically got stuck with, with who we had, and, and we kind of just, no pun intended, ran with it. I think with this year, when we got our two main uh, workhorses, I think that you do give Murray the majority, and you do sub in Henry every night, give him about 10 to 12 touches a game maybe. Uh, with that being said, if Murray ran the ball 10 times, has a solid average but isn't really breaking out, and Derrick Henry breaks loose on a couple plays, that you know the, the few opportunities he's given, if he can earn it, I have absolutely no problem riding him the rest of the game. you got to go with who's hot or who's performing. But at the same time, you definitely have to stick with the two guys. You can't let guys get out of rhythm and not be able to work up to their potential. They definitely need to get their touches in. And sometimes it takes 10 or 15 to get that one big one. I mean, we all understand that. But I think that if Murray performs, he's definitely going to get the majority. If Henry were to exceed expectations, I could definitely see them riding him out as the quote-unquote hot hand. Yeah, last year, uh, McCluster was a guy who complained about 
the whole hot hand, constant rotation thing. He came out and said, you can't build a rhythm if you're not getting enough carries to get a feel for the game. If you come in, you bust one long run, you have a short run, they pull you right out. You didn't really accomplish much of anything. You can't build up a flow. If Murray comes in and he's running, he's getting four yards of carry, and he's doing real well, but he goes out and he takes a rest, and Henry comes on, he starts running off seven yards of carry. You, you have to go with the guy who's performing well. These guys are different enough that, depending on the defense, one may end up being the hotter hand, but I still prefer that Murray start the game, Murray get the carries, Henry comes in, spells him, and if Henry starts blowing up the other team, you leave him in, and then you just kind of switch their roles for that game as the defense allows. I don't like the idea of the whole committee thing and just constantly rotating people out. McCourty says that he's back to his old self. He's feeling good. We saw how bad the secondary struggled last season without him, without the pass rush. Do you think the Titans did enough this offseason to keep from collapsing if McCourty goes down again? No, this was my one big gripe about Tennessee's offseason because I think we did so well, you know, getting great free agents. We we brought in some really great kids in the draft, I think. But you look at the secondary, got a couple pieces here and there, but I don't think we did enough that if Jason McCourty is to go down injured that we're going to be okay. I think that we're going to see a lot of struggles. I think we'll be better than we were last year. I will say that I don't think you're going to see it be as bad as it was when we saw Bleedy Ray and Cody Sensabaugh back there just getting burnt play after play, making Johnny Manziel look like Peyton Manning. I don't think we're going to be that bad, but I think we are going to struggle if you see McCourty go down. Our pass rush is going to be improved, but it's still not great. So, you know, you can't just rely on them. You have to have a, a solid secondary, which I do think we upgraded, but I think we're still in trouble. If Jason McCourty goes down, well, you know, it's going to be really bad for the Tennessee Titans. It's going to hurt a lot. Yeah, I agree. Not not a whole lot to add to that. I will say if he goes down, we're in trouble. However, McCourty is not, in my eyes, he's not a true number one cornerback. I like the guy. I like his personality. I like everything about him. He's just not a number one corner. With that being said, we don't have a number one corner right now. So we need everybody we can get. But, I mean, he's coming off an injury. I'm hoping he says he's feeling 100%. I'm hoping that's the case because we definitely need him on the field. I think we definitely needed to address the, the secondary a little bit sooner in the draft. Another thing is LeBeau taking over the, the reins from Ray Horton last year. I don't know if that's going to make a major difference or not, but with the guys he brought in, those are all his guys, so let's see him perform. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same vein as Ryan on this one. I'm really not blown away by what we did with the defensive back group this offseason. It's kind of how I felt about the offensive line last season. Going in, you knew you needed help. You knew what you had wasn't good enough, and you didn't do much about it. You just put some more depth out there, some more just okay guys. I like McCourty more than Matt does. I, I think he's a pretty good player. He may not be your ideal number one, but he's far and away the best corner we got right now. If he goes out, I think we really struggle on the back end. Uh, it's just going to take the right quarterback to take advantage of it with the other upgrades we've made on the defense. My third question on the news here is Jarrell Casey was on NFL Network this weekend talking about how the team expects to be a top 10 at worst defense, their real targets being a top five. Do you believe we added the pieces necessary to sustain a top fight effort this season, not just pop up there once in a while, but actually whole season sustain a top five effort? No, I don't think that we have that kind of talent on this team. I think that we're going to be better. I think, you know, when you look at where we were last year, 
near the bottom. And, you know, we were pretty bad. And for a while, it looked like we weren't doing that bad as a passing defense. But if you look at the real stats, passing yards per play, interceptions, stuff like that, we were still near the bottom of the pack. It just teams didn't have to pass very much to get by us. You know, you only need to pass in the first and second quarter sometimes, and by that time they had already so far ahead that they were just running the clock out. But if you look at the pass per plays and stuff like that, it, we were still one of the worst teams in the NFL. I think you're going to see us jump up to that middle the the NFL group, which is a big jump still, you know, very impressive. This is really relying on guys like Jason McCourty that we were just talking about staying healthy. But I think you're going to see us jump up in that 10 to 15 group is somewhere probably where we'll end up at the end of the season. Obviously, it'd be nice to be higher than that, but I just don't see it yet. We don't have an elite pass rush. We don't have an elite secondary. We have a pretty decent linebacking group. We have a pretty solid, we have a patchwork secondary. We have key players I think are really going to make a difference on this team, but we do not have the team as a whole to bring top 10 or top 5 defense. If our secondary can not look like a piece of Swiss cheese, we can maybe crack right outside the top 10. I, I like our D-line. I like our linebackers. But we we were burned so many times last season. And I know Sensiball is not on the team anymore. I honestly think that's going to be a huge difference because a lot of the plays were towards his direction. If we can get somebody that can cover and tackle, I mean, it's, it's not that difficult. They just got to be where they need to be, and that's, that's what Dick LeBeau praises on. So if we get the right guys at the right place and we can at least tackle, if not get interceptions – I think we could be right outside the top 10. I expect to see a big improvement on the defense this year, mostly because of what we did on offense. With the enhanced running game, the switch to more of a play-action-based offense, I, I think we're going to see the offense stay on the field a lot more. And the biggest thing I noticed last season, uh, even with the injuries we had, was just the team wore out. They got tired, and you could just tell they weren't on their assignments anymore. Then they were just kind of giving up because they were on the field all game long. And it's a common thing in football. You know, a good running game is the defense's best friend. They go out there, they control the clock, they keep the other offense off the field. I don't think they could be a top 10. They Well, they could surprise us. I like the addition of Johnson at the D-line. I think that's going to help us against the run. As long as we can get teams to stop running us down all game long and then just having to sell out to stop the run and getting burned deep. That's what happened most of the last year was – we couldn't stop the run. We'd bring extra people in. We'd get burned over the top. I think that with the offensive line upgrades and potentially the size that we added through the draft this year, if those players turn out to be really good rookies, we, we could be a better defense for sure. Top five is definitely pushing it. Probably impossible for us this year. But uh, top ten, maybe if everything turns out perfect. Uh, last thing I've got for us today, we're out of camp is uh, Henry has been really impressive catching the ball. The idea that Henry would have good hands, you would never have guessed it because Alabama just never did that. He only had 17 catches in all of uh, his college career, all three seasons. Murray averages 43 receptions a season. What do you put your over-under for Henry catching the ball out of the backfield this season? DeMarco Murray is obviously going to get the, the lion's share of the carries. Uh, I mean, we assume as long as you know injury or, or terrible play doesn't happen. So he's going to get the lion's share of the carries, probably going to see a good bit of, of passes. 
And then, then you have Dexter McCluster, who's going to specialize as a passing down running back. So he's really the third option, even if he has quality hands on our team. He's a third option as a pass-catching running back. It's nice that he has really great hands, but I don't see his number being overly high when he's going to be the third running back likely to catch a pass out of the backfield, even in the system that we're running. So maybe 15 to, to 20 catch area is probably what we're going to see from him. Obviously, if there's an injury to Murray or something like that, well, you know his numbers will increase. But I think right around that you know, 15 to 20 area is probably what we're going to see from Derrick Henry. Yeah, I think they're just using that as somewhat of a distraction. Just basically, I mean, it's camp. People are talking. I think that he's nowhere near, you know, the Marshall Falk of, of the new era. The fact that he can do it is a plus. We can get both of them on the field. I'm really excited to see what kind of uh, formations we can get on the field this season. We have, we have a lot of good weapons. If we can get Murray and Henry on the field at the same time, that's a possibility where he will catch some balls. But I'm with Ryan. I, I can see right around maybe 15. It's definitely not going to be our strong point or his strong point. I think they'll use it every now and then. But he, like Ryan said, he's the third option on the team as far as running backs go. Yeah, I'm throwing my guess out there right about 25. I think every now and then they decided to get cute, just hammer him up the middle a few times, then run some play action and throw it out there just just to watch a DB scream whenever he catches the ball and turns and comes right at him. be a lot of guys trying to make ankle tackles, <laughs> try to get him to the ground as fast as possible so they don't have to get killed. <laughs> and just that, I, I want to see that happen. Just I want to see him catch the ball in space, turn up field, and then see what the DB chooses to do about it. I think that's going to be interesting to see you know, if and when that happens. That's all we got on the news, though. I'm going to turn this back over to uh, Ryan here. Some great stuff there. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about this wide receiver group for the Tennessee Titans. Time to pay the bills. Some quick ads, and we'll get right back to the show. Hey, this is Ryan and Rich from the Free Parking Show. Our show is a sports podcast hosted by four sports journalists and features shows like Beers and Cheers, Par for Discourse, and our NFL preview, the 32-team parking garage. Check us out on Stitcher, Spreaker, and our website, www.freeparking.com. You're listening to Two Tone Uncensored, brought to you by Pinecast and Stitcher. We're back with the Two Tone Uncensored podcast. We're going to get into the wide receiver groups here, guys. Let's start off by talking about this starting group here. We're looking at Kendall Wright, Doriel Green Beckham, and Rashard Matthews. This is probably the three that we're going to see the most of going into this season. So I want to ask you, what do you think about this group? And then my secondary question with this, who do you think is going to be the guy out of this group that really shines in the 2016 season? You know, the thing I think we're going to see is the guy is going to be someone who goes out there and runs his routes and gets where he's supposed to be and someone who can rush block. Run blocking from the receiver is going to be a big deal this year. I think, you know, as they talk about the, the exotic smash mouth and the Pittsburgh Steeler method, the guy that comes to mind for me is Heinz Ward. Yeah, he wasn't the fastest guy. He wasn't the biggest guy. He fought you for the ball. He made smart routes. He used the routes to get himself open. 
He ran block really well. You saw a lot of times where Jerome Bettis would come rumbling out of that backfield, and there's only one guy between him and the end zone, and Heinz Ward is there glued to that guy, just making sure he has absolutely no impact on where Jerome Bettis decides to go with the ball. And that's going to determine who I think starts for this team on a regular basis. Of the group, you've got Doyle Green Beckham. He's a big guy. His run blocking is a little bit suspect right now. You've got Kendall Wright, who they asked to bulk up a little bit this year. After last year, they asked him to lose some weight and get quicker. Then you've got Richard Matthews, who's a strong guy. His run blocking is okay. So of that group, I think to start out the season, Kendall Wright's going to be the guy. He's going to get your number one shot. He's got the most flash potential. He's the hardest guy to cover. So if I was going to pick one guy to be that first guy out, probably Kendall Wright because he can run block a little bit. He can catch the ball. He can run good routes. So of those three, that's the guy I would pick. Yeah, we all want the answer to be DGB, but I'm with Glenn on this one. I think it's going to be Kendall Wright. He's already added about 10 pounds this offseason. We're going to put him where he needs to be, and that's that's in the slot. That's running short routes. The, the deep streaks aren't working for him. Coach Malarkey was quoted as saying, we're trying to put him in the position where we know he's successful. He does some things there where he's better than others, and that's clearly in the slot. If we can get DGB and Matthews on the outside, bring in Kendall in the slot, get uh, Sharp in there as well on the slot, I think both of them are going to have a lot of success. Kendall's definitely the guy with all the experience. Not only that, he's going into his contract season this year. Everyone is hoping he sticks around for a few more years. I know I know a lot of fans aren't particularly high on him. He gets hurt. He's running wrong routes. But I, I think he's definitely the best option we have going forward. DGB is still very raw. I would love for him to take that, that title as the top receiver, but I don't know if this is the year for that. I do think, however, with both of them on the field, they're going to help each other. Kendall's also in a situation, like I said, it, he needs to perform to get paid this this year. So it's it's basically do or die. I feel like if he does what he's supposed to, he's another value pick that we could get. I, I hate when we draft guys, we, we groom them for four or five years. They struggle. As soon as we let them go, there's success somewhere else. You know, there's there's been a few stories of that in recent years. What I, what I would like to see happen, we put Kendall in the slot. We use him the way we're supposed to use him. He performs. We re-sign him, and we don't break the bank doing it. I like Kendall Wright a lot this year. I think he's going to do very well where we where we need to play him. And um, long story short, the answer is Kendall Wright. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you guys. I want it to be DGB. I want to take that big step forward. But I don't know if it's this year. Just being honest, the guy is really raw. He has the size to be an outstanding run blocker, but we really haven't seen it from him yet. I think Kendall Wright obviously going to be that number one guy, at least starting out in the beginning of the season because he's been there. He knows the offense. I'm also interested to see Rashard Matthews, how he fits in this offense, you know, coming in. It's his first year in this offense, but this guy's been around the league for a little bit, coming off of his best season of his young career. So I think that we're really starting to finally put together a wide receiver core that doesn't look like a dumpster fire, which is nice. And, you know, I think that we're going to have some success because if you look at what we're doing with this running game, it's going to open up a lot of these passing lanes. It's going to be a lot harder to really cover 
guys like DGB Wright and Matthews, when you have to really respect the running game, and you have to put eight men in the box, it's really hard to keep great coverage downfield, obviously. So I think you're going to see a lot more of it open up for Mariota this year. Hopefully it leads to a lot of success. But I still think Wright's the number one guy. My next question before we move on to the, the next group here is, how do you see Matthews fitting in here? Do you think he'll end up putting up really big numbers? Do you think that he's maybe second behind Wright? Do you think DGB is? What do you think he fits kind of in this grouping? Matthews strikes me as somebody that he's going to come in there. He's going to play well. He's going to be where he's supposed to be. He's proven that he can get open on routes. He's not always explosive. He's not great at throwing people off of him as strong as he is. He still has a fight for the ball a little bit too much. I think he's going to end up being in this rotation as option B. I, I don't know that Wright has to play as a slot. He's so hard to cover off the line. If you try to play press coverage on him, he's going to just disappear from you. That's one of the things when Wright was running around for us for Munchak for two seasons. He was almost impossible to cover because he's so quick. And I don't know that he actually has to be the slot guy. He makes sense to me. He's a natural slot guy. But if he's going to be our number one guy, I don't know that he ends up playing the slot because I don't know how much we're going to play the slot. We're going to be coming out with power formations. I don't know that we're going to have a lot of three receiver sets. And so what that means to me is that Matthews and DGB will end up rotating a lot. I don't know that Matthews is considered the second guy. I think probably they put DGB out there and try to see what he can do. You'll see a lot of Matthews because... DGB is still raw. He still is going to struggle a little bit. I think he's more of the 2B guy. He's your second option as your second guy, and they leave right out there full time. Yeah, I see him finishing with maybe six, 700 yards. I do like what he brings. I just don't know that, like Glenn said, I don't know that he's going to be the next option up. We have so many other possibilities to go to. I think they are going to give Green Beckham all the chances in the world to succeed this this season. We all obviously hope he does. I think between Delaney Walker still catching balls, Kendall Wright's obviously going to be a huge part of the offense, and Sharp is turning heads in camp. I would not be surprised if they get him on the field in certain situations. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of playmakers on the team this season. I think he's going to be a durable guy. I think I think if, if we have injury and he needs to step up into a situation where we rely on him, he'll get more than 700 yards. I like what he brings. I just I just feel like right now is not his time. He could earn that spot and I, you know, I'm all for it. I have no no personal favorites on on the receiving core. Obviously, we do hope Green Beckham with his huge size and potential. I'd love to see him be a top 10 receiver, a top 5 receiver really. But moving forward, I'd say Rashard Matthews probably right around 700 yards. I don't know if I'm as as high as that. I like this kid a lot, but I still think he's probably around that 400-yard area. He's a really, really good kid. He seems like he's got his head on his shoulders, uh, and he came in ready to work. You know, I like his attitude. I still think he is that 2B. I think Glenn put that very well. 2B. He's not really the third guy. You know, I think he's going to see a lot of playing time. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about real quick is with, you know, the slot receiver and run two wide receiver sets is you see what the Jets do with the power running game last year and two wide receivers out there, but you see Decker kind of run more on the inside, run a lot of routes that you see slot receivers run. I think we might see something kind of like that. If you line DGB up 
as the guy that you know is going to run big routes down the field. Obviously, you have Walker. You can play him as you know mid route, and then you you'll see Wright run something like a slant or a drag or something like that to get across the field and and on a short pattern. You might see kind of what the Jets did last year with Eric Decker. I love Matthews a lot, but I don't know about seven hundred. I just I think maybe closer around that, like 400, maybe 500 mark. But, you know, I'm always called a pessimist when it comes to the Tennessee Titans. But we're going to talk about backup wide receivers here now, guys. Guys in this group, Harry Douglas, Tajay Sharp, Justin Hunter, these are the guys that we're looking at that are going to be that next tier of wide receivers. So, you know, what do you think about this group as a whole, and who sticks out to you out of these three guys? Before I touch into those guys, I do want to say I do have a personal favorite, Doyle Green Beckham. When he was at OU, I know he never played a snap for him, but I did meet the kid while he was there. And he's a presence when you're standing around him. He's very confident, but he's also humble. And I just, I really want that kid to succeed. And we all know he's got all the tools. You know, a six foot five, two thirty seven, runs a four five forty, long arms, can catch anything. He just has to learn how to muscle up and take advantage of his size and just kind of impose himself on the uh, defensive backs, and that'll help him out in the running game too. For the bench guys, I think my favorite bench guy is Justin Hunter, at least right now. The idea of Justin Hunter reaching his potential and being out there paired up with Doyle Green Beckham moving right over to the slot. I do like what Ryan just said about the Jets. I think that's a really perfect example where you have your one big guy and you have a, a smaller receiver who's quick, who can get open and win. But the idea of having DGB and Hunter out there together, if both of those guys put it together and learn how to be professional receivers at this level, that's going to make just a nightmare for opposing defense to try to match up with all that size and speed. And it puts Mariota in a candy shop. Sharp, he's going to be a possession type of guy. Coming off the bench, he will be on the field. I believe he's going to get plenty of looks this year because he catches the ball. He's, he's not real strong. He can be bumped off in press coverage, but he catches the ball, and he uses good routes to get open. The uh, odd man out of the next three guys off for me would be Harry Douglas. He's not big. He's not even strong for being a 5'11 guy. You know, when he came into the league, he was 175 pounds. I think they have him listed at probably 185 now. He's just—he's not strong enough. He, I don't see him being a really effective run blocker. Now, he did have his one big season with the Falcons where he put up 1,000 yards, but I don't see us using him that way and featuring him enough for that to happen for him. I think more of his 36 receptions for 400 yards kind of average is what you'll see from him if he gets on the field enough. I'd like to see Hunter make Harry Douglas completely expendable. And I think Sharp could be our kind of our Anquan Bolden guy if he gets strong. He's he's definitely not an Anquan Bolden guy right now, but he fights for the ball. He will sell out to catch that ball. He said it earlier in camp that he feels no ball should ever touch the ground if he had a reasonable shot at it. Our guys off the bench, I would put Hunter, then Sharp, then Douglas. And I feel that's a pretty good three guys coming off the bench. We're in a lot better shape this year than uh, we were before. And all we really did was add a rookie and uh, Rashard Matthews. But it, it really helps the feeling that you have about this wide receiver core. Yeah, I'll say Tajay Sharp is definitely my guy. From a personality, work ethic standpoint, he does all the right things. 
he backs it up too. He doesn't have the elite speed that you know I, I wish he had. But I will say, as far as the roster goes, I see us keeping five receivers. The thing that scares me is we just started getting on Harry Douglas right now. Harry Douglas has experience with our offensive coordinator, Rubisky. Tajay Sharp himself, not only him, Matthews. I've heard a bunch of guys talk about it. Harry Douglas is the mentor in the locker room. I'm hoping that he doesn't get put into the Dexter McCluster role and he gets that spot just for that purpose. If it was up to me, you know, you got your starting three, obviously. I don't need to mention them. I would say Sharp is a lock for the roster. It's going to be a toss-up, but, I mean, I've already expressed how I like the high ceiling of Justin Hunter, and I hope that that's what happens. But I would not be surprised, and I don't think it's the right decision, but I would not be surprised if Harry Douglas makes this team. I'm going to agree 100% here with what Glenn just said to you all. I think it's Hunter, then Sharp, then Douglas, in my opinion. Hunter just has the physical abilities to be something great if he can put it all together. You know, recently he put out that video where he jumps off the ground and touches a 13-foot ceiling. I mean, that's just, that's unreal. The guy has this physical set of skills that's just, it's unbelievable. He's, you know, as a guy that in, in workouts in the gyms is really going to blow you away, but it's just not there yet on the field. Still really young guy, though, and I think he can put it together. I like Tajay Sharp. He's not a guy that's overly impressive. It's a lot of what Glenn said. He'll go out there and catch the football. Struggles against press coverage. He's not overly quick. I think he's going to find it, at least at first, hard to break away from NFL corners and safeties because he just doesn't have you know the quickness or the physicality to really take over. But if the ball's there, he's, he's a guy that's going to go get it. I like his work ethic a lot. But, you know, work ethic isn't the only thing that matters when you're talking about a football player. You have to have the skills to be there. Harry Douglas, I've seen this a lot of what Matt said about guys talk about him being the mentor in the locker room. And and that's great. And I like that he does that. I just hope I agree with Matt. I hope that's not what writes him a ticket onto the team. I hope that it's if he makes it onto the team, it's because he was the right guy skill-wise, not just leadership-wise. But we're going to move on here, guys, to this next group. You know, I labeled them the camp bodies, guys, that we probably won't see on the team or at least on our game day roster. McBride, Horn, Roberts, Terzilli. Anybody on here that you think could surprise us and jump up into the next group? Is there any guy that you think absolutely no chance he's going to be cut? For the first part of it, I would say McBride. He has the physical skill set to be a successful receiver. He just has to learn how to run better routes, and that's going to be a big theme with all these receivers this year. We have a lot of guys on this team that have potential that just everybody has said they just need the right coach to help them break out. Like Matt alluded to earlier, you don't want the player to go to another team and be successful because he got with a coach who's using him the right way. And that's a lot of this group here. These are guys that there's something about them that makes them interesting for the coaching staff to see them in the camp. They are, like you said, camp bodies. Now, I think we probably keep six receivers because we do hang on to Harry Douglas. I don't know that it's just because he has experience with those guys. But like you, I kind of suspect that may be why. I would see us hanging on to six guys just because of that. Uh, So any of these guys to move past them, I think the only guy here who's got a real shot at it would be Trey McBride. And really, he's more of like the backup quarterback guy. Uh, everybody loves a backup quarterback on a bad team because the starting quarterback is not winning. 
but it's a bad team, and if the backup was that good, he'd be starting already. That's why you don't see a lot of McBride. He does have the speed, the acceleration, decent strength, good hands. He's willing to go get the ball in traffic and take a hit. But he's the underdog because his mental game isn't there yet. He doesn't run the good routes. He doesn't always make the best decision whenever he's trying to beat coverage. His ability to return the ball, if we didn't have several other guys like McCluster, who we can rely on to do that, would probably get him on this roster. But of those guys, he's the only one I see having a legitimate shot. But I can't see us keeping seven guys, so he needs somebody to get hurt to make that 53-man roster. Of the other guys, I think Trezelli's, uh PED suspension has pretty much written his death knell. I don't, I don't know how you keep a guy for the 53-man roster that's suspended for the, for the first four games, and he's your seventh, eighth, ninth receiver. I just don't see any way he can make the team. Reese Horn's a Division II guy. He's not real fast. He's not explosive, but somehow he's a good punt returner. He has the same problem that McBride does, that being a good return man is not going to get you on this roster this year. And Ben Roberts, he's big, not terribly fast. There's just nothing about him that tells me that he's going to make the roster. So best guy, McBride. Worst guy, Terzelli, just because of the uh, suspension. He got a chance to play for us last year, which would normally give you a leg up. But with you got a four-game suspension to start the season, I just can't see how he makes that 53-man roster. Glenn basically just broke it down, built it back up, and broke it down again. I, I don't have much to add to that. I'll say, again, Trey McBride, probably only chance he has is somewhere in the return game. That being said, I would rather have Harry Douglas than Trey McBride. Yeah, I'm going to agree here with Trey McBride. I think he is the best out of this group. I still don't think that's enough, though. Unless there's an injury, then he can move up. But really, I I just don't see enough out of him right now. I think he has the skills. He's just It's a guy that played on a very small school coming out of college. He's still learning how to play at the NFL level and getting used to this. So I don't see it, but I think that he is a guy that might be in a few years, could make it. For Horn and Roberts, I agree with a lot with what Glenn said. Neither of these guys, I just don't I don't see them making the roster. I just can't. They're just not there. I talk about your what, eighth, ninth guy. You know, It's just not going to be enough to make it skill set-wise. And then Terzilli, I think Glenn said this perfect too, is you know, in this kind of situation, you've got to do everything you can when you're in this kind of spot. Do everything you can to get on this roster, to stay on this team. And going out and getting a PED suspension is your fastest way, in my opinion, to get off of this team. Last year, you got to see a little bit of action with the team. And that normally gives you a, a big leg up over guys that haven't gotten that opportunity. But going out and doing something stupid like this, getting in trouble, you're not going to put up with that. You can put up with trouble if the talent's there. If Marcus Mariota goes out and gets suspended for something, he's going to be back. The talent has to be there, though. And it's just when you're a guy that's really fighting to stay on the team, you get in trouble. You basically just kicked yourself out of camp. Might as well start packing his bags. That's about all we have for this show. If you want to check out some more stuff for the show, find us on Facebook and Twitter, as I said earlier when I was talking about the mailbag. Our Facebook is Two-Tone Uncensored. Our Twitter is at Two-Tone Uncensored without the E-D on the end. You can check out the show at twotone.pinecast.co or by downloading the Stitcher app on your mobile device. Thanks for listening to the show, and as always, tighten up. Peace. Stay classy, Titan Nation.
thanks for listening to the Two-Tone Uncensored podcast. You can listen to the show at twotone.pinecast.co or by downloading the Stitcher app on your mobile device. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Two-Tone Uncensored and like it on Facebook.